Chapter Two of Ben the Luggage Boy or Among the Wharves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Ben the Luggage Boy or Among the Wharves by Horatio Alger, Jr. Chapter Two. HOW BEN COMMENCED HIS STREET LIFE One pleasant morning, six years before the date at which this story commences, a small coasting vessel drew up at a North River pier in the lower part of the city. It was loaded with freight, but there was at least one passenger on board. A boy of ten, dressed in a neat jacket, and pants of grey mixed cloth, stood on deck, watching with interest the busy city which they had just reached. "'Well, bub, here we are,' said the captain as he passed. "'I suppose you know your way home?' "'Yes, sir.' "'Are you going on shore now?' "'Yes, sir.' "'Well, good luck to you, my lad. "'If you are ever down this way when I'm in port, "'I shall be glad to see you.' "'Thank you, sir. Good-bye.' "'Good-bye.' Ben clambered over the side and stepped upon the wharf. In the great city he knew no one, and he was an utter stranger to the streets, never before having visited it. He was about to begin life for himself at the age of ten. He had voluntarily undertaken to support himself, leaving behind him a comfortable home, where he had been well cared for. I must explain how this came about. Ben had a pleasant face and would be considered good-looking, but there was a flash in his eye, when aroused, which showed that he had a quick temper, and there was an expression of firmness, unusual to one so young, which might have been read by an experienced physiognomist. He was quick-tempered, proud, and probably obstinate. Yet with these qualities he was pleasant in his manners, and had a sense of humor which made him a favorite among his companions. His father was a coal dealer in a town a few miles distant from Philadelphia, of a hasty temper like Ben himself. A week before, he had punished Ben severely for a fault which he had not committed. The boy's pride revolted at the injustice, and, young as he was, he resolved to run away. I suppose there are a few boys who do not form this resolution at some time or other in their lives, but as a general thing, it amounts to nothing. With Ben, it was different. His was a strong nature, whether for good or for evil, and when he decided to do anything, he was not easily moved from his resolve. He forgot, in the present case, that though he had been unjustly punished, the injustice was not intentional on the part of his father, who had been under a wrong impression respecting him. But, right or wrong, Ben made up his mind to run away, and he did so. It was two or three days before a good opportunity presented itself. Then, with a couple of shirts and collars rolled up in a small bundle, he made his escape to Philadelphia, and after roaming about the streets for several hours, he made his way to the wharves, where he found a vessel bound for New York. Representing to the captain that he lived in New York and had no money to pay his passage home, that officer, who was a good-natured man, 
agreed to carry him for nothing. The voyage was now over, and Ben landed, as we have said, an utter stranger with very indefinite ideas as to how he was to make his living. He had told the captain that he knew his way home, for having falsely represented that he lived in New York, he was in a manner compelled to this additional falsehood. Still, in spite of his friendless condition, his spirits were very good. The sun shone brightly. All looked animated and cheerful. Ben saw numbers of men at work about him, and he thought, It will be a pity if I cannot make a living. He did not care to linger about the wharf, for the captain might be led to doubt his story. Accordingly, he crossed the street, and at a venture, turned up a street facing the wharf. Ben did not know much about New York, even by report, but he had heard of Broadway, as who has not, and this was about all he did know. When, therefore, he had gone a short distance, he ventured to ask a bootblack whom he encountered at the corner of the next block. Can you tell me the shortest way to Broadway? Follow your nose, Johnny, was the reply. My name isn't Johnny, replied Ben rather indignant at the familiarity. He had not learned that in New York, Johnny is the generic name for boy, where the specific name is unknown. Ain't it, though? returned the bootblack. What's the price of turnips out where you live? I'll make your nose turn up if you ain't careful, retorted Ben, wrathfully. You'll do, said the bootblack, favorably impressed by Ben's pluck. Just go straight ahead, and you'll come to Broadway. I'm going that way, and you can come along with me if you want to. Thank you, said Ben, appeased by the boy's changed manner. Are you going to stay here? inquired his new acquaintance. Yes, said Ben. I'm going to live here. Where do your friends live? I haven't got any friends in New York, said Ben, with a little hesitation. Over in Brooklyn or Jersey, maybe? No, I don't know anybody this way. Phew, whistled the other. How are you going to live? I expect to earn my living, said Ben, in a tone of importance. Father and mother dead? No, they're alive. I suppose they're poor. No, they're not. They're well off. The bootblack looked puzzled. Why didn't you stay at home, then? Wouldn't they let you? Of course they would. The fact is, I've run away. Maybe they'd adopt me instead of you. I don't think they would, said Ben, laughing. I wish somebody with lots of cash would adopt me and make a gentleman of me. It would be a good sight better than blackened boots. Do you make much money that way? inquired Ben. Pleasant days like this... Sometimes I make a dollar, but when it rains, there ain't much doing. How much have you made this morning? asked Ben, with interest. Sixty cents. Sixty cents? And it isn't more than ten o'clock. That's doing pretty well. Tain't so good in the afternoon. Most everybody gets their boots blacked in the morning. What are you going to do? I don't know, said Ben. Going to black boots? I'll show you how said the other, generously overlooking all considerations of possible rivalry. I don't think I should like that very well, said Ben slowly. 
having been brought up in a comfortable home, he had a prejudice in favor of clean hands and unsoiled clothes, a prejudice of which his street life speedily cured him. I think I should rather sell papers or go into a store, said Ben. You can't make so much money selling papers, said his new acquaintance. Then you might get stuck. What's that? inquired Ben innocently. Don't you know? asked the boot black, wonderingly. Why, it's when you've got more papers than you can sell. That's what takes off the profits. I was a newsboy once, but it's too hard work for the money. There ain't no chance of getting stuck on my business. It's rather a dirty business, said Ben, venturing to state his main objection at the risk of offending. But Jerry Collins, for that was his name, was not very sensitive on this score. What's the odds, he said indifferently. A feller gets used to it. Ben looked at Jerry's begrimed hands and clothes liberally marked with spots of blacking and he felt that he was not quite ready to get used to appearing in public in this way. He was yet young in his street life. The time came when he ceased to be so particular. "'Where do you board?' asked Ben, after a little pause. Jerry Collins stared at the questioner as if he suspected that a joke was intended. But Ben's serious face assured him that he was in earnest. "'You're jolly green,' he remarked sententiously. "'Look here,' said Ben, with spirit. "'I'll give you a licking if you say that again.' It may be considered rather singular that Jerry, instead of resenting this threat, was led by it to regard Ben with favor. "'I didn't mean anything,' he said by way of apology. "'You're a trump, and you'll get over it when you've been in the city a week.' "'What made you call me green?' asked Ben." "'Did you think I boarded up to the Fifth Avenue?' asked Jerry. "'What's that? A hotel?' "'Yes, it's one of the big hotels, where they eat off gold plates.' "'No, I don't suppose you board there,' said Ben, laughing. "'But I suppose there are cheaper boarding places. Where do you sleep?' "'Sometimes in wagons or in doorways, on the docks, or anywhere where I get a chance. "'Don't you get cold sleeping outdoors?' asked Ben. Oh, I'm used to it, said Jerry. When it's cold, I go to the lodging house. What's that? Jerry explained that there was a newsboy's lodging house, where a bed could be obtained for six cents a night. That's cheap, said Ben. Tain't so cheap as sleeping outdoors, returned the bootblack. This was true, but Ben thought he would rather pay the six cents than sleep out if it were only for the damage likely to come to his clothes, which were yet clean and neat. Looking at Jerry's suit, however, he saw that this consideration would be likely to have less weight with him. He began to understand that he had entered upon a very different life from the one he had hitherto led. He was not easily daunted, however. If he can stand it, I can, he said to himself. End of chapter 2 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.